Thank you for listening to this message from Faith Builders. Pastors Philip and Michelle Still are dedicated to building your faith and framing your world by the Word of God. There are many more resources available on our website, www.buildfaith.net, where you can find links to our audio and video archives. We also invite you to join us online for our live stream services. Remember to build your faith and frame your world by the Word of God. We're taking orders for this book, Seasons, Signs, and Spiritual Things. Several years ago, the Holy Spirit woke me up one morning and gave me what I call my proverb. Got a lot of echo, a lot of booming up here. Um, And he told me, he said, what you know, you know. What you think you know, you don't. And what you don't know, you will. Let me say it again. He said, what you know, you know. What you think you know, you don't. And what you don't know, you will. And I have come to find out in the last couple of years that what I did not know was the end time message, the prophetic message. Now you have to be careful because there's a lot of titles, a lot of apostolic, prophetic There's a lot of cyclical stuff that goes round and round. Hilton Sutton used to say, every 20 years the the devil comes up with a new title, but it's the same old recycled junk. So you have to know what the scripture says. And I've been studying it for several years now, and I've learned a lot about the time that we live in, the truth of where we are in time. Somebody asked Brother Hagin one time, Where do you think we are in time? He quoted them from James and Peter. And he said, you know, the Father is waiting patiently for the precious fruit of the earth, not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to the saving grace and knowledge of Jesus Christ. So we're in a time period now that the body of Christ has never been in before. And... um, I've seen and heard and read a lot of books and stuff that, you know, there's a, there's a lot of confusion. There's a lot of false information out there. And so I wanted this book to be about uh, the truth. The knowledge of the truth makes you free from worry, from anxiety, from fear. Signs, season signs, and spiritual things. You know, the Apostle Paul told uh, his disciples that he could not share with them about spiritual things because uh, they were still feeding on milk. They were not able to take solid food. So a lot of times the reason people can't digest spiritual things is because they're carnal. And a lot of the signs that we hear talked about uh, are not for the church. They're for Israel and they're for unbelievers. I had one pastor tell me, he said, we don't allow the gifts of the Spirit to operate in our church anymore. I said, why not? He said, it confuses people. I said, well, it's not what the Bible says. The Bible says the unlearned shall come in and the Spirit of truth will reveal the secrets of his heart and he'll fall down on his face before God. There are a lot of signs going on, but they're not for the church. They're for the unbeliever and they are for Israel. 
Because believers have signs that are supposed to follow them. But believers are not supposed to follow the signs. The signs that the believer is supposed to follow. The Holy Spirit is your teacher. The Holy Spirit is the comforter, the counselor. He leads, guides, and directs the church. We're not to be led by signs. And uh, I deal with uh, quite a bit of that in, in here. It's, it's not that I am trying to discredit the signs and wonders, but the Bible says Satan performs lying signs and wonders. And during the Great Tribulation period, there's going to be a lot of signs and wonders that are going to be false and phony. And Jesus said to his disciples in Matthew 24, after he told them what was going to happen in the end times, <laughs> first thing he said to them was don't be deceived. Take heed that no man deceive you. So I'm not trying to knock or discredit signs and wonders. I'm just trying to get you to put them in their right category, in their right perspective. We are not to be led by signs and wonders. Signs and wonders are going to occur. They have occurred. They will occur. But that's not how the body of Christ is supposed to be led. The body of Christ is supposed to be led by the Holy Spirit and the Word of God. Now, uh, you can buy this book. They can just go back to the table. Yeah, let me put it right here so I don't forget it. They have a pre-order form, and as soon as they're out, we'll ship it to you. Amen? Turn in your Bibles to Matthew 24. How many of you are tired of hearing these trying and uncertain times? <laughs> Even the secular advertisers have lashed onto that. Insurance companies, funeral parlors. It seems like everybody is introducing themselves, their product or whatever during these trying and uncertain times. And again, I'm not making light of the seriousness of these times. People have died. But if you know God, you know His Word, and you know the Holy Spirit, these are not uncertain times. I'm not living in uncertain times. I know exactly what's happening. And I know why it's happening. And I'm going to say some things today that may shock some of you. And I invite you to check it out in the Word. Pray it out in the Holy Ghost. Don't take my word for it. But let's start over in Matthew 24, and let's read what Jesus told his disciples. Now, Matthew 24, this is what has been known in religious circles in the church as the Olivet Discourse. This was Jesus teaching his disciples on the Mount of Olives. He was talking to them about the signs of the end. We are in, we are in the end times but we are not at the end of time. This is not the end. And I have friends and acquaintances and people that I highly respect and they're anointed and I wouldn't dare touch them, but they, they don't know the difference between the rapture of the church and the second coming of Christ. I heard one man say this, this nonsense of a rapture is not biblical. That, those were his words. People that teach about a secret rapture. He said that's utter nonsense. 
because it's not in the Bible. Well, I don't know what Bible he's reading, but it's in my Bible. <laughs> but a lot of people don't know the difference between the rapture of the church, the catching away of the church to meet Christ in the air, and the second coming where Jesus comes from heaven to the earth. And some believe in what they call a, a U-turn rapture. Jesus is only going to come one time. At the end of the tribulation period, the great tribulation period, and that he's going to come uh, with all of his saints and he's going to get us and we're going to go to heaven. Amen. But how, we're supposed to be coming with him. Right. So how are we going to get up there to come with him if we hadn't been raptured? Right. And if you don't believe in a pre-tribulation rapture, what do you do with the marriage supper of the Lamb and the Amen. judgment seat of Christ? Amen. What do you do with the church when Revelation chapter 4, after Revelation 4, the church is no longer on the earth. Mm-hmm. The church is seated with Christ in heaven. So if you wait till the end of the tribulation period and you, and you make the rapture in, in all of those events, then we're sitting here and we're waiting for Jesus to come back. Of course, in the rapture it says... We'll, we'll be caught up to meet him in the air. Nobody will see him. The second coming, everybody sees him. And he comes back with his saints. So if we're waiting to the end of the tribulation period, then we're going to have to, I guess, jump on our horse as it comes by and ride and then go back with him. But in, in that understanding, you cut out the marriage supper of the Lamb and the judgment seat of Christ where you're to receive your rewards. And of course, there are those that now believe we are in the great tribulation period as we speak. And they, I've heard them, I've listened to them. And they say, well, the, uh, uh, the pale horse rider just went by. Um, the sixth seal is being poured out. And if you read the book Revelation, chapter 6, chapter 16, you go through that whole Uh, explanation, all of those vials, seals, and riders are not released until after the church has been raptured and the Antichrist, the false prophet, the man of sin, the beast system, until all those characters come into play. So if the pale horse rider has just uh, ridden by, And if we're now experiencing the seals and and, uh, all of the things listed in uh, uh, Revelation during the Great Tribulation, then we've missed the rapture. And we're still here. (laughs) So maybe I've gotten your attention or gotten you scared or whatever, but (laughs) let's go back to Matthew 24 and let's, let's follow it. And Jesus went out and departed. From the temple and the disciples came to him, show him the building of the temple. And Jesus said, see you not all these things. Verily I say to you, there shall not be left here one stone upon another that shall not be thrown down. And archaeologists have discovered in that region right there where he was supposed to have been speaking, that that temple site that he was talking about, they, they excavated it and found out that all the stones fell down, just like he said. Um, 
And as he sat on the Mount of Olives, the disciples came to him privately, saying, and the commentaries say the reason they came privately is because they didn't discuss these type things in front of a public gathering. They were, uh, they were taught, they were discussed privately with his disciples only. Saying, tell us, when shall these things be? And he lists the things later. And what shall be the sign of your coming and the end of the world? Three things. And Jesus answered and said, take heed that no man deceive you. I think that's interesting. That's the first thing that he said. Don't be deceived. Many shall come in my name saying I'm Christ and and deceive many. And you'll hear of wars, rumors of wars. See that you be not troubled. Well, have we had wars and rumors of wars ever since this day? Do we still have wars and rumors of wars today? He said, see to it that you be not troubled. Now here's something I want you to underline because we're going to come back to it. For all these things must come to pass. Say that out loud, please. All these things must come to pass. This is referencing a moed. In Hebrew, a moed is a set appointed time. Why is that important? One day I was... Let me go ahead and read the rest of this. Uh, For nation will rise against nation, kingdom against kingdom. Well, let me finish the verse 6. But the end is not yet. The end of the age is not yet. Excuse me, the end of the world is not yet. This is not the end. (laughs) He says in verse 8, all these are the beginning of sorrows. Oh my Lord, Pastor, you mean this is just the beginning? Yes, but let me explain that to you. In music, a prelude is a movement prior to the main body of music. Those of you that are in music, you agree with that? The prelude, in some of our old church hymnals, they used to have prelude. It was a a movement of music or voices prior to the main body of the music. Well, he says here, these are the beginning of sorrows. And this is a... Metaphor, referring to labor pains. Um, A woman that is about to give birth has labor pains. I'm going to go ahead and throw this all together, even though it's a lot, a big pill to swallow, but I'll explain it to you. A woman has labor pains on and off before the baby's born. All you mamas agree with that? Uh, Labor pains. You don't just have one. You have many, and they precede the birth of the child. Deborah, you nodding your head? <laughs> we've known, we've known Deborah, Deborah since she was a child. No, not quite a child. But anyway, the labor pains precede the birth. Jesus said that all these things that he's discussing are the beginning of sorrows, a metaphor for labor pains. And then he says, these things must come to pass. 
One day I was standing in the backyard and I was looking out and I was just, uh, I was really asking the Lord a question. How many of you know that when all of this virus stuff started, what, back in March, I guess? I mean, the church jumped up and they were praying, they were interceding, they were commanding, they were binding, they were loosing, they were doing all kinds of things to come against this virus. We kill this virus. We call for a heat wave. We do. How many of you know what I'm talking about? You probably did it. I know I, I, I got out there and I shouted at the virus and commanded it to die and all this kind of stuff. I said, now, Lord, the body of Christ around the world has been attacking this virus. We've been coming against it. We've been speaking against it. We've been praying against it. I just want to be honest. I want to ask you a question. Why haven't we been able to stop this? I was not prepared for his answer. Because in the quote word of faith, we are taught that with faith we can do anything. We're more than conquerors. We're overcomers. We can speak to the mountain. Are you all following me? That's the way I was trained. So in faith, I didn't understand. Why can't we stop this? (laughs) And you never do. You never do get God (laughs) upset, anxious. You never do catch him at a bad moment. And I no sooner got that out of my mouth and I said, why haven't we been able to stop this? And he said, go back and read Matthew 24, 6 again. These things must come to pass. You cannot stop what must come to pass. Now, before you jump to conclusions... He didn't say that he sent it. The Bible doesn't support God sending the virus. The Bible doesn't support any of these things that Jesus named as God being the originator or sender. God's not sending the wars and the rumors of the wars. God's not sending the pestilence. God's not sending all of the things that come on the earth and so forth, blah, blah, blah. Ethnicity against ethnicity. And I'm going to deal with this more in detail tonight and tell you why we're experiencing all of the turmoil we're experiencing in our country. This too must come to pass. But it's not God. Now in Hebrew, the word moed means a set appointed time. Because I really had problems with this. And I asked two or three of my fellow ministers. I called them on the phone. I texted them. I said, I, the Bible says in the mouth of two or three witnesses, let every word be established. I don't want to get off. I don't want to make excuses. I've heard all kinds of ministry excuses. Well, God's teaching us something. Well, God's separating us. And, uh, you know, I've learned a lot since I've been at home and uh, need more time with my family anyway. So God simply sent a virus and put us all together. I mean, that's, that's all baloney. So he's not saying he sent it. He's not creating it. He's not making it. God don't have a virus, so he can't give it to you. Amen. <laughs> he's not using it to child train his children. 
He's just simply saying, these things must come to pass, and you can't stop what God said must come to pass. A set time. Ecclesiastes said there's a time for everything under heaven, a purpose. And God began to show me some references because I asked him for them. I said, oh, I want to see some of this in the, in the scripture. <laughs> God never gets upset if you ask him to verify his own word. He said Jesus' birth, his birth into the earth, Jesus' is coming the first time was a moed, a set time. Nothing could stop it. Nothing could interfere with it. Jesus' second coming is a set time. You can't stop it. It's going to happen, just like God said. Hello, are you all here? Amen. And he said, you remember... When Jesus was going to Jerusalem to be crucified and Peter stopped him and shook him and said, No, not so, Lord. You cannot do this. And what did Jesus do? He rebuked him. Jesus' crucifixion was a set time, an appointed time. You remember when Jesus prayed in John 17 to the Father, high priestly intercessory prayer, and he said, Father, I have kept all these that you've given me. Talk about his disciples. And he said, and I have lost none of them, save the son of perdition, that the scriptures might be fulfilled. Hello. I used to always wonder about that. I didn't lose any of them except one, Judas. Have you noticed not many parents name their kids Judas? I didn't lose any of them. Except Judas. Why? So the scriptures could be fulfilled. And you'll find out tonight who the son of perdition is. I tell you what, when Hilton Sutton used to teach on these things, I used to get so um, uncomfortable because he was talking over my head. These are the things that the Lord told me that I didn't know that I would know. Why is, why is what's going on now in our nation? Why is it going on? What's happening? Nation against nation. Well, there's a lot more good things going on than there are bad. Amen. But all we hear about is the bad. Because that's all the media can handle is the bad. That's what, that's what they set their prices for advertisers. That's where they get their ratings from. And, and, you know, people in the natural, the carnal, uh, fallen nature of man is drawn to the negative. If it bleeds, it leads. I mean, anybody's going to drive by, uh, slow down and drive by when they see a blue light flashing or an ambulance or a house on fire or a tree. (laughs) I've watched these news people. I feel sorry for them. Our little news reporters out there in Arkansas. I mean, a tornado can go, a, a, a big wind can go by. And I'm over-dramatizing this, but a big wind can go by and blow a limb off the tree and it fall on somebody's roof. There's 10,000 people, 
10,000 homes never got a scratch, but that, that crew that goes out there has to find that one house with a limb through the roof. And they zoom right in on it. You got to find that one shingle that blew off the house because they've got to justify all this weather equipment that they're spending millions of dollars for. <laughs> Plus, they've got to scare the daylights out of you so you will watch their broadcast so they can log the number of people watching so they can tell the people that want to advertise on their stations how many people are watching. So this is the way they adjust their rates. I mean, we know this because we've been in TV for over 30 years, and I know how they operate and how they think. So he said these things must come to pass, and he says, but the end is not yet. Nation will rise against nation, kingdom against kingdom. kingdom. There will be famines, pestilences, earthquakes in diverse places. All these are the beginning of sorrows. Uh, Then he goes and he talks to them about Israel, about the Jewish race, how they're going to be offended, how they're going to be hated, how uh, the love of many is going to wax cold. Then you go to verse 14. And this gospel of the kingdom shall be preached in all the world for a witness unto the nations. And then shall the end come. So the end of the world is not going to come until we've preached the gospel to the nations. Now, let me interject something in here that's happening right now as we speak. Now, you may have seen on the news last week, maybe week before, about how three Arab nations have now signed on normalization with the nation of Israel. Now, the Palestinians didn't even bother to look at the peace plan. They don't want peace. They don't care what the plan says. They want Israel gone. That's their whole MO. They, they, they hate Israel uh, like some people hate the president. They don't care what Israel does. They just want them gone. They don't care about a peace plan. They just want Israel dead, buried, and gone. But Bahrain, the United Arab Emirates, and Saudi Arabia have all three signed on now to have normal to normalize the relationships with Israel. The president signed the let me see how to say this because I was on a conference call during this time with the people that signed all this, and I've met twice with um, Jared Kushner, President's son-in-law, and Jason Greenblatt, his attorney, in Washington, D.C., once the East Wing, once the White uh, and the West Wing, as they were working on this. It's just taken uh, two or three years uh, to, to get this far. And some of the stuff they want to remain off record, which means they don't want it to go public or into the press. But they were able to provide uh, in this peace plan um, guarantee uh, for certain parts of Israel to remain. No walls have to come down. 
Now, they, uh, Judea and Samaria were not included in that, but they will be. Because we have contacts in those areas that wanted to know, okay, what about us? And I assured them that this, this was in the future plans. But right now, this is the way it is. The Golan Heights, Gaza Strip, all of those people, all the new, new settlements, they can stay. They don't have to uproot them. They're not going to give the land back, which every other president did. At the same time, they were bartering land for peace. There was one president that was paying the PLO millions of dollars under the table. So there's been a lot of uh, demonic lying activity that's been going on. Just the other day, as Saudi Arabia agreed to come on board, I texted John Hagee, who is the founder of Christians United for Israel, which I'm a part of and on the board. We're approaching 10 million members. In 14 years, we've gone from 400 to almost 10 million. And it's basically because he's been driving this bus and we've all been <laughs> with him. We believe it's God and you can become a member by just going online, cufi.org, and give me your email and you're a member. That means you support Christians United for Israel. So we were watching this on the news and so <laughs> I texted him. I said, John, I said, look at this. This is happening in our lifetime right before our very eyes. You know, the scripture talks about Israel when they're at peace with their enemies, peace with their neighbors. Look up. <laughs> Your redemption draweth nigh. And I no sooner got the text out and was walking into the studio to do some testing on some equipment, and my phone rang. It was John. He, he was almost giddy. He said, man. He said, I had to stop the car and tell Dinah, roll the window down and let me look up and see if Jesus is coming. It's that close. That's exactly where we are right now. And, you know, there, there are three things that will bless or curse America. Number one is how we treat Israel. Genesis 12, 3. Number two is whether we keep murdering children in the womb. Mother Teresa said this years ago. She said, a nation that murders its unborn. How many of you know who Mother Teresa was? A nation that murders her unborn will lose her soul. What do we see on the nightly news? Ethnicity against ethnicity. We're, we're, we're losing our soul killing each other, hating each other. And most of these things that are happening on the news, if you keep listening long enough, the news will eventually have to report it. These are all people that are being trafficked in from other areas and being paid to kill people, to destroy stuff, to burn stuff. It's it's not the local people. How, How would you like to live in Portland, Oregon? or Seattle, Washington, or New York City. Mayor de Blasio, (laughs) bless his dumb heart. He just doesn't get it, does he? I was talking to a travel agent in New York, lives on Long Island, 
And I, I wanted to ask her about this, but she was so... <laughs> She was so uplifting about being a New Yorker. She said, I'm proud to be a New Yorker. People are leaving New York by the thousands trying to get out. The governor, the mayor, they told Franklin Graham, don't even think about coming into our city to have a crusade. They They are justifying murdering babies after they're born. So we've got to stop the abortion. And we're almost there. Ronald Reagan wrote a book in the 80s about abortion, the conscience of a nation. And he said, if we keep killing babies, we'll sear our conscience. Folks, our conscience has been seared. Our soul is being affected. And I'm going to have more to say about that tonight because, you know... I used to say in the beginning of our ministry, because we were a ministry that was set in our city by God to impact our culture. And the church, and we're going to talk tonight about the church, the body of Christ. The church is set in the earth to withhold, to restrain the man of sin. The Antichrist, the false prophet, the beast cannot show up until after the church is removed. So we are here as a protector in the earth. We're the one that Paul talks about in Thessalonica, in 2 Thessalonians. We're the one that is withholding so that the spirit of Antichrist cannot be released. And all of the plagues, seals, cannot be released into the earth because we're still here. But we will be removed. It says we will be taken out of the way. And the man of sin, the spirit of Antichrist, which was already at work in the world then, will have full control. And I used to say we're here to change the culture. But my brother and sister, let me change it to we are here to impact the culture. My title is The Main Thing. Stephen Covey, noted author, speaker, is the one that coined this phrase. The main thing is to keep the main thing the main thing. And not get sidetracked in issues that would prevent you from fulfilling the main thing. Now, the the Muslims believe in a caliphate. And they believe that the caliphate, which is their Messiah, is going to show up only after they create enough chaos that it puts the world off balance. So they're trying to create enough chaos to keep the world off balance so their Messiah can show up and He will put everything in order. There is a recycling of an old teaching and doctrine that we heard back in the 80s. 
It came out of dominion theology. Manifested sons of God. You go into the culture and you change the culture. You go into every man's world, education, politics, media, you name it, athletes, athletics. You go into every area of man's culture and you prepare the world and then you tell Jesus to come back. That's not biblical. I heard a good friend of mine say it just the other day. On our network, he sat there and looked at Cameron and he said, Folks, you are the ones that determine when Jesus can return. Not so. If we were the ones that would determine when Jesus can return, we'd have done it a long time ago. Jesus' return is a moed. It is a set appointed time. And Jesus doesn't even know when it is. Only the Father knows. So to tell the church, the body of Christ, that you determine when Jesus comes back. That's what the manifested sons of God, they've, they've gone a little, you know, Brother Hagin used to tell us, if Satan can't get you off into gross sin, then he pushes you into spiritual effervescence. Brother Hagin didn't deal with confrontation much, but sometimes he did. <clears throat> Back in the 80s and 90s, there was a big move on intercessory prayer. Militant church, spiritual warfare, warring tongues. People were chartering jets, flying over countries, praying in the spirit because they were higher in the atmosphere. They were going up in 30, 64 buildings, 30-story buildings, so they could be higher in the atmosphere. They were having more impact. They were doing business in the atmosphere, in the heavenlies, warring against demon spirits. All sounds spiritual, doesn't it? I deal with some of that in this book when we talk about spiritual things. And Brother Hagin said, you know, isn't that amazing? People are renting airplanes, going up in 30-story buildings, thinking that they're closer to heaven, closer to God. He said, poor old Jesus, he didn't even know that. He never got off earth. <laughs> and the scripture says... <laughs> <clears throat> when he, any two of you shall agree on earth as touching anything they shall ask. So there's always been error and extremes and people were praying and they were doing all kinds of things in the name of intercessory prayer. And then we got over into the discipleship movement. Discipleship is in the scriptures. It's biblical. But the extremes that they carried it to, because we know we saw firsthand down in Florida what was going on. The Fort Lauderdale Four, those that were accountable, and you were accountable to them if you were in under their covering. Wives couldn't even share their testimony of healing without getting permission from their husband or their elder or their pastor. You could not give a message in tongues. You could not prophesy unless you were approved by the spiritual hierarchy. So there's always been that t kind of thing of error. People were coughing up and spitting up demons. <laughs> Brother, Brother Schembach said one time, he said, you know, you know what you got because they, they carry buckets to prayer meetings, a bucket, and you spit up in the bucket and you spit out a demon. And I know I've seen people in the Bible gives reference of people 
that, that had physical manifestations when they were delivered. We've seen it too. But Brother Schembach, he just, you know, he just couldn't help himself. He said, well, you know what you got when you got a gob of spit on the floor? A gob of spit on the floor. I mean, it's, it's really ridiculous what you hear people say. But anyway, I used to always say, we're going to change the culture. And then I realized, now, hear what I'm saying. Check it out in the Scripture. Don't take my word for it. The Great Commission didn't say a thing about changing the culture. The Great Commission was to go change people. That's right. Amen. That's right. So we're supposed to go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. You change people, you'll change the culture. But if you try to change the culture without changing people, you get into manifested sons of God. And you're going to prepare the atmosphere and then tell Jesus, okay, Jesus... We got everything under control. Now you can come back. No? Are y'all still here or have I lost you? Go over to Matthew 12. How, how am I doing on time? I'm running out of time here. Huh? Oh, it's just 11.30. Okay. Matthew 12. Look at verse 38. <clears throat> Again, I'm not trying to make fun of or make light of signs and wonders, but I just want you to stay on the right road. Certain of the scribes and the Pharisees answered, saying, Jesus, or Master, we would see a sign from you. Hmm. And Jesus answered and said, An evil and adulterous generation seeks after a sign, but there shall no sign be given to it but the sign of the prophet Jonas. Now there's two interpretations of that. Uh, the sign of the prophet Jonas, as, as Jonas was in the belly of the whale three days and three nights, so shall the Son of Man be in the heart of the earth. That's describing the death, burial, and resurrection of the Lord Jesus. But it, it also says in, uh, let's see, verse 41. The men of Nineveh shall rise in judgment with this generation and shall condemn it because they repented at the preaching of Jonas. What did Jesus say in Matthew 24, 14 would be the sign of the end of the world? The preaching of the kingdom. The preaching of the gospel. And we're preaching more gospel today than in the history of humankind. We're reaching more people. You know, it's an amazing thing in, in Arkansas. It's the only, thing I can, only area I can speak to is because we live there and we know what's going on in our area. But our network, VTN, we, we saw more people respond to our television network the last six months than ever before. Amen. Amen. People have been sitting at home. They're afraid. They're scared. And so they're watching TV. And they're watching our network. We've had the biggest response from our audience as ever before. There's more people watching. And now we can track this. Every day, VTN is reaching into 33, 34 countries 
and 16 states through live stream and Roku. You can watch VTN right here if you have Roku. Just log on and type in VTN on your channel, and you can watch VTN right here in DeSoto, Kansas. Or live stream. We're getting letters from people like we had a testimony from a lady in Las Vegas. She moved to Las Vegas from Arkansas, and she said, I was so sad that I was going to lose VTN. And she said, and I turned on and found out I could get y'all on Roku. We've got people in Africa and different parts of the world that are watching via live stream and, and Roku. We're reaching more people now than ever before. And con- we're going to continue to expand and reach more people. And through social media platforms. But the end is not yet. The end is the end of the age. The end of the church age is coming. But the end of the world is not yet. Now, I don't know about you, but it helps me to know these things because I don't, I don't panic when I see and hear things. And people ask me all the time, Whoa, what do you think is happening? What do you I was in the grocery store the other day, and the clerk, and I, I do the shopping. I like to shop. I like to cook. My wife and I both like to eat. You know, we. <laughs> <laughs> so I know some of these people by name, and so I was going through the line, and, and this uh, clerk, she asked me, she said, Pastor, um, do you think things will ever get back to the way they used to be? I said, no, ma'am. Have you heard this? This is the new normal? No, it's not. There's nothing normal about it. And this is not the new normal. You want to know what the new normal is going to look like? Read about the millennial reign in the book of Revelation. A thousand year reign of Christ. That's going to be the new normal. But we've got to get through this prelude. Jesus said, these things must come to pass. And, and I don't think I finished my thought earlier, and I, I hesitate to say this because it even sounds strange for me to say it. These type things are going to continue. That's not a negative confession. That's not gloom, doom and gloom. That's what the scripture says. He said, these things must come to pass. They're going to continue. They have to. And you'll find out tonight because they are the prelude, the bringing in of the great tribulation period. The great tribulation period, there's going to be no restraining force. Why? Because the church will be gone. We're the restraining force. We're the restrainer. Now, some people think that scripture verse, and we'll look at it tonight in 2 Thessalonians, something people think that means the Holy Spirit. But the Holy Spirit's not going anywhere. The Holy Spirit is going to continue to be here on this earth to anoint and empower the 144,000 Jewish evangelists. And the Holy Spirit is the one that's going to catch us up away. The Holy Spirit's never going to leave us. The church is the restrainer, the one that's going to be taken out of way, uh, taken out of the way. The church is the one that is holding back the great tribulation period events, and the church is is 
as long as we're here, the man of Christ, I mean, I mean the man of sin, the Antichrist can't be revealed. Amen. I had a friend that told me that the, that the false prophet was the Pope. And he, he wrote a book and he was teaching on it. He said the, the, the Pope is going to be the false prophet. I said, if I were you, I wouldn't, I wouldn't teach that. I wouldn't tell that. Why not? Because you're never going to really know for sure. Because the false prophet can't show up until after the church is gone. So if you're in heaven, the judgment seat of Christ, and the marriage supper of the Lamb, you're not going to know what's going on on earth anyway, and you could care less because you're going to be up there in, front, in the presence of the Lord Jesus. Besides that, how old is the Pope? 80, 90, something like that? 86, 7, 8, 90, 93? So if he dies in the next few years, you know he ain't the false prophet. <laughs> I mean, you know, a lot of these things are just real simple. But you know, it really doesn't matter who the false prophet is or the Antichrist. Now, I can tell you from the Scripture now, uh, what the Antichrist is going to do, what he looks like. Yeah, I'm talking about in Scripture, what, what his um, M.O. is. But I can't tell you his name, and neither can anybody else. So if you buy a book that somebody says they'll tell you the Antichrist, then you just wasted your money. <laughs> Go over to Acts chapter 1. Acts chapter 1, and here, here you can kind of put these scriptures together. Wouldn't, wouldn't you really have appreciated it if the Holy Spirit had had all of this stuff written down in chronological order, <laughs> and you didn't have to go back and forth? Look, Acts chapter 1, and you read through verses 1 through 11, and I, I want to kind of address this because it's in, in the book too. And uh, let's go to verse 7. And Jesus said to his disciples, It is not for you to know the times or the seasons which the Father hath put in his own power. Uh, then he says, But you shall receive power after the Holy Ghost has come upon you, and you shall be witnesses unto me, both in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and most parts of the earth. <laughs> Because over in uh, 1 Thessalonians, it tells us that we shall know the seasons. Let's go over there and read that. And so if, you're, if you don't study this out, you'll get confused and you'll get puzzled. And you say, well, one place he said it's not for us to know. And, and another place it says we will. 1 Thessalonians chapter 5. Verse 1. But the times and the seasons, brethren, you have no need that I write unto you. Then he talks about the thief in the night. Peace and safety. Talks about a woman with child. Then he says in verse 4. You, brethren, are not in darkness, as that day should overtake you as a thief. 
You're the children of light, the children of day. We are not in the night, nor of the darkness. Therefore, let us not sleep as do others, but let us watch and be sober. For they that sleep, sleep in the night. They that be drunk are drunken in the night. But let us, who are of the day, be sober, putting on the breastplate of faith and love, and for a helmet, the hope of salvation. For God has not appointed us to wrath. Say that out loud. God has not appointed us to wrath. Now, if you read the book of Revelation, chapter 6, chapter 16, you go on through all of those vials and seals, whatever. That's the wrath of God being poured out during the great tribulation period for those who have willfully rebelled against God. But it doesn't include you. You're not in that number. So this is not the wrath of God being poured out. But we're children of the light. Let us who are of the day be sober, put on the breastplate of faith and love for a helmet of salvation, uh, for a helmet, the hope of salvation. For God has not appointed us to wrath, but to obtain salvation by our Lord Jesus Christ. When Jesus told the disciples, it's not for you to know the times of the seasons, at the time he was telling them, it's not time for that yet. It's not time. This is not the season or not the time. The time that he was addressing was, what time is it? It's the time for you to be endued with power from on high and to go into all the earth, preach the gospel to every creature, lay hands on the sick, cast out devils, raise the dead, cleanse the leper. That's what time it was. He said, it's not for you to know the times and the seasons yet. Amen? Amen. Hmm. So all these things must come to pass. These are the beginning of sorrows, metaphor, birth pains. And this is not the end until the gospel has been preached to the world. Now, I'm going to close with this this morning, and we'll, we'll come back to part two tonight. When all of this virus stuff started, my granddaughter called me, and she said, Granddaddy, you ever been through anything like this before? Now, our granddaughter is 34 years old. She's got a six-year-old son, so we've got a great-grandchild. Our other granddaughters had two more, so... We're raising a tribe now. I mean, they're getting up there. And she said, Granddad, you've been through anything like this before? I said, well, no, not this. I said, uh, we're the World War II generation. We know what hardships were going on during that time, even though we were just children ourselves. Um, we went through Vietnam. We went through 9-11. Um, We've been through a lot of stuff, but never anything like this virus. Now, here was her question. Here's what she was asking. She said, what are we supposed to be doing? Now, if you ask that to the general public, you'll get all kinds of answers. What are we supposed to be doing? The main thing is to keep the main thing the main thing. That has not changed. 
we are supposed to be teaching, preaching, laying hands on the sick, raising our children in the nurture and the admonition of the Lord. We're supposed to be light and salt. Last month, what's this, September, uh, August, last month, Jeannie and I were part uh, of a historic uh, event. We, I sit on the board of NACL, National Association <coughs> of Christian Lawmakers. You probably never heard that term because it's just, it's never existed before two months ago. This is the concept, the idea, the insight of Senator Jason Rapert, who is a member of the Arkansas State Legislature. He helped introduce the heartbeat bill in Arkansas. Um, And he's been wanting to do this for a long time. He shared it with us. I encouraged him. He asked me if I'd serve on the board. I said, absolutely. I believe in it. So we had a conference in Florida at the Sandestin Hilton Conference Center in Destin, Florida. And there are 7,000, approximately 7,000 legislators across America that serve in your state legislatures. He invited, and the, and the, uh, he invited all of the Christian, born-again, spirit-filled legislators that he had met that he knows through traveling across the country. And we had a a conference just two days. Mike Huckabee was our guest speaker. Andrew Womack and I did a panel discussion on spiritual warfare. The lady that wrote the original heartbeat bill, Janet Moore, I think her name is, uh, from Ohio, she was there. We had Christian, I'm going to emphasize this, Christian legislators, Christian lawmakers, the ones that make the law in the state of Kansas, wherever you live, from 25 states in America, come to Florida to attend this two-day conference to hear preachers, other Christian lawmakers. We had panel discussions. We had breakout sessions. Uh, We appointed state chairs. And those 25 Christian lawmakers represent 150 million Americans. Never been anything like it. Do you think the media covered that? Absolutely not. They hate Christians. They want to... Stop us from whatever we're doing. But I'll tell you what, my wife can verify. I looked at those people, those legislators, at the Secretary of the State of Arkansas, John Thurston, our, he used to work with us in our ministry, uh, several state legislators in the state of Arkansas and all over the country came and sat to hear the Word of God for two days. Now this is right in the middle. I mean the hotel canceled it. Uh, originally canceled the meeting. Because Florida was one of the real hard states. And they didn't want us all down there. So they canceled the meeting. 
but our governor called them on the phone and they apologized and reopened it so we could all come. <laughs> From 25 states in the U.S. And we heard some outstanding... The, the lady that wrote the heartbeat bill, how many of y'all know what I'm talking about? If there's a heartbeat, you can't abort that baby. But she told us the history of the legislation that it took. It almost killed her. But she refused to give up. I mean, she's, a fe- she's not but about that tall, but she's a feisty little woman, and she refused to give up. And she got in there and played a hard ball with the red, rest of those anti-Christ legislators. And she got that bill passed, and then a lot of other states picked up on it. Arkansas picked up on it. I don't know about Kansas. And they're introducing the heartbeat bill into their state legislators. These, these are people that most of the population of their states don't even know they exist. They're the main thing. And the main thing is to keep the main thing the main thing. When we put the Ten Commandments up on our state capitol grounds and some idiot came and ran his car into it and they put him in jail, we built it back. Put it back. Senator Rabert has been threatened. They prayed for him to die. The Satanist church came in town, wanted to put their goat head monument next to the Ten Commandments. And because we have a born-again governor, and because they structured this thing, that only those things that the legislature has initiated can be approved and put on the state capitol grounds. He stood there in an interview. The press came and said, what about this governor? The Satanist church wants to put up their emblem right there besides the Ten Commandments. And the governor just looked at him and smiled and said, it ain't going to (laughs) happen. Why? Because the legislature has to initiate it. Folks, this is the main thing. This, This is what's going on not all the distraction that you're seeing out here. Not all the fear. And you know, the statistics are going to continue to come. I said this six months ago. Now they're saying that those that have died of, uh, of the uh, virus, that 80 to 90% of them would have died anyway. Just not to discredit or to lessen the importance of their life or to discredit their death. But they had pre-existing conditions that would have eventually killed him anyway. Joe Biden said the other day, there's uh, 7,000 military personnel that have died of the COVID. Bless his heart. It was only seven. seven. Not 7,000, Joe. Just seven. Well, I better leave that right there. (laughs) So, (laughs) look, we're we're not voting for a national pastor. We're voting to keep sanity, and some people debate that, I guess, you know. But it all boils down to which party you want to subscribe to their values. 
And they define this themselves. They, they, they call themselves the Democratic Socialist Party. I had a guy write me an email. He said, boy, you sure are hard on us Democrats. I said, I don't intend to be. He said, well, you're always talking. Uh, uh. He said, you got a lot of Democrats are watching you on TV too. Now, if I was Hilton Sutton and he was asked that, he'd say, well, then they need to get saved. <laughs> but he said, we're not bad people. We're just Democrats. And we watch your network too. And I said, well, thank you very much. I appreciate hear, hearing from you. But, uh, you know, they call themselves democratic socialists now. But the, 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 the issue, the main thing is whose values are we going to live by? That's right. If you read the platform, That's right. this is not a political speech. Pastor can correct me or silence me or whatever he wants to do, cut it off the tape. <laughs> no, but if you read the democratic platform and the Republican platform, the democratic platform is pro-abortion, pro-homosexuality, and anti-Israel. The Republican platform is pro-life, pro-family, and pro-Israel. So it just depends on whose values we want to live by. And we have to keep the main thing the main thing. I mean, there's some strong statements going on out there. I mean, you know, there are people. I know, I know one preacher friend of mine. He said, if you, if you vote a certain way, you're sinning. If you don't vote a certain way, you're sinning. And the American people are trying to figure out, you know, how do I vote? Well, it says in Psalm 11:3, if the foundations be destroyed... What will the righteous do? According to your profession of faith in Christ Jesus, you're the righteous. Amen. Amen. Not self-righteous. You've been made the righteousness of God in Christ, 2 Corinthians 5, 21. So it's up to you. What are you going to do? The foundations, as it's listed in Psalm, it says moral, political, and economic. Those are the foundations. What are the righteous going to do? And I've heard all kinds of projections and conspiracy theories, you know. And uh, Somebody said, well, you know, if, uh, if, uh, how is it? If, if the socialists win the election and America goes to socialism, and, of course, this generation knows nothing about socialism. They don't know what it is. They think it's getting their college loan paid off and free money for everybody. But they don't know what socialism is about. But if the socialists win the election, they said, you know, America's going down the tubes. Where, where, where are you going to go? Where are you going to move to? <laughs> I told Jeannie, I said, well, if it, gets, if it gets that bad, we'll just go to Israel a little early. <laughs> but you need to study these things. I was studying the other day on Planned Parenthood. The founder of Planned Parenthood, or what is now Planned Parenthood, Margaret Sanger, she was a Marxist. She was a communist. And she had Hitler as her mentor and Stalin and Lenin. And now listen to this if you search it out. And the whole purpose for her getting on that bandwagon, she wanted to do the same thing 
to the, to the African Americans that Hitler did to the Jews. She wanted to get rid of all African Americans. And this was the, the best way that she could think of was to abort them in the wound and stop that race from ever excelling. You reckon the devil was afraid that those African Americans would rise up and become a spiritual force in the world? Because they are. You reckon that Satan was trying to destroy anybody and everybody that would be a threat to his cause? And consequently, you go check the records, there have been more African-American babies killed than anybody else. Those things aren't being told. Those things aren't being told nationally on the scene. Races are being lied to. Also, one of the guys that attended the meeting down there in Florida, uh, Andy Andrews, if you get a chance to get the book, get it. He wrote a book several years ago called How to Kill 11 Million People. I bought it years ago and read it because I was curious about the title. It's about the Holocaust. How to Kill 11 Million People. And he goes through all the scenario, the prelude leading up to the Holocaust. And the Germans told the Jews, we got a new place for you, new schools, new jobs, new homes. We're building a fence around you to protect you from the Russians. We want to preserve your life because they're going to come kill you. Get on this boxcar and we'll take you to your new city. They got on the boxcar and wound up in the death camps. The emphasis in the book, how do you kill 11 million people? You lie to them. You lie to them, you tell them a lie. And they will follow you. The fallen nature of man is more conducive to following a lie than it is following the truth. Keep the main thing the main thing. Hallelujah. Father, I pray for... Father, I pray for every person in here that you would reveal the truth that you want them to know, to understand. And so stir them up that they would take this message and all this information and that they would share it with other people. Thank you, Father. These are spiritual people. These are mature people. Save them. Protect them. Heal them. Deliver them, bless them, prosper them in Jesus' name. Is anybody in here today that's never made Jesus Christ the Lord of their life? You're not saved. You don't know where you're going to spend eternity. Raise your hand, and I want to pray for you. I would pretty much assume everybody in here is saved. Hallelujah. My, my, my. Andy Andrews told this story when he was writing the book, How to Kill 11 Million People. He was running to catch a plane. And they took his briefcase. 
to open it up. And his manuscript fell out going through security. And they saw his notes, how to kill 11 million people, and they arrested him. <laughs> He's a funny guy. You might have seen him on some of the Christian talk shows. He said, no, no, I'm not a terrorist. I'm not trying to kill 11 million people. I'm trying to show you what happened to the Jews. And, of course, they let him go. <laughs> Folks, we live in the best of times. And you're prepared now because Jesus said these things must come to pass. So, you know, if come Christmas and they say, okay, the virus is over now, we can resume our normal life. This is not a bad prophecy, not a bad prediction, but, you know, in January, February, March, there might be something else. But it won't bother you. Amen. You won't be concerned. You won't be. Jeannie and I were talking about it's like we've been in a bubble for the last six months. And I have a whole teaching on the land of Goshen. The children of Israel lived in the land of Goshen while the plagues were going through Egypt. No flies in Goshen. My grandmother used to say that all the time. You ever heard your grandmother say, land of Goshen, land of Goshen. That's a real place. There's no plagues there. We're living in the land of Goshen. Somebody ought to write a song, land of Goshen. Maybe there is one. Let's everybody stand. I've talked too long. So good.